0: My next guest is the founder of Respect My Region, which is a source for urban lifestyle content in the Pacific Northwest. They focus on new music, throw live events, and have recently gotten into cannabis. It's my pleasure to introduce Mitch Pfeiffer. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Mitch Pfeiffer.
1: What's up? What's up?
0: Got the last name correct. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Nailed I was it. worried there for half a second, but no. <laughs> you, on, man. Everyone be messing with that.
0: But yeah, I learned about you like close to a year ago now. When um, I first started doing research on like podcasts that are around the Seattle area, I, I heard about your guys's um lunch table podcast actually before yeah. before Respect My Region even.
1: Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, we did that for about a year. We we kind of we kind of took a break, and then it turned into like a forever break. You know, it wasn't it wasn't hmm. intentional like that at the start. But uh, yeah, we ran that we ran the podcast for about a year, maybe a uh, little bit longer.
0: What happened to it? I because I I did a um collab episode with Cash, like a year ago, and then I, I was like, are they going to release any more episodes? And they just you guys just stopped. on Was it just people's schedules or?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we it was really just originally meant to be just like a brief break. Hmm. Um, until the new year was like a, a month and a half that it was supposed to be and we're going to kind of reformat and try and figure things out like uh we just hadn't solidified i guess you know just the, the whole format of everything and uh, we started doing live events and really like got tapped into that because I, I throw a lot of events and so we started piggybacking off that um and then obviously fees and cash they're both involved with and throw a lot of events so we were doing that and then you know I took this little break and like let's reassess and then my whole plan for 2020 was to take like q1 real real quiet and then we're gonna go real hard the rest of the year um and you know that this year obviously got thrown into you know the meat grinder
0: so i know right the um the last time i actually saw cash in person was um like after the like collab interview we did we actually like we gained a pretty good friendship um i would like invite him to events and stuff and one of the last events was in march like the week before the shutdown it was um, okay. Marky Basie was in town, and um, I got in a hold of Marky Basie's manager, and we had set up an interview to go to the go to his concert and interview him like in the back room. And we had like this whole day planned. We we're gonna meet at my studio and then chill there for a little bit, and then go to the concert. And I get to this my studio earlier. Like usually when I do interviews, my studio is in downtown Seattle, and usually when I do interviews there, it's like after three. Like 3 to 7 p.m. usually when people start to get off work or school or whatever it is. And um, I didn't have anything going on that day. So I get to my studio at like 2 p.m. And I'd never been there that early, even though it's only an hour earlier. And basically, there's like parking right out in front of my studio. It's on 2nd Avenue. Okay. And um, I guess before 3 o'clock, though, it's a bus lane. And I didn't realize <laughs> that. So I parked my car there just for one second to go get some get something from the studio. Literally like one second. I come back out and my car's fucking gone. I like, I rub oh, my no. eyes. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and my car had been towed, and I had gotten the car like a week prior, and I was oh, like, what man. the fuck? So, Kaz had to pick me up from my studio and take me to the tow yard to go get it. Oh and then, damn. <laughs> that took a fat minute, and then we made it to the concert like right when it ended. And I was able to interview um, Marky Basing. We got such a funny sound bite out of it because it was like right when the the quor- the quarantine was about to start. So during the interview, he had, like, these two groupies with him, and, like, one of them coughs, and the camera just pans to her, and we're like, she has coronavirus, and was all a big joke at that time, and then a fucking week later, we're in lockdown. <laughs> fucking nuts. No.
1: Yeah, man, yeah, yeah.
0: How has the lockdown affected you? I know we're not, we're basically in, like, a second lockdown right now, but, like, overall, how has COVID affected you with, like, live venue concerts?
1: uh man i mean you know prior to the last two years uh live events are probably like 90 percent of the, rev- the revenue that i generate
0: through uh through
1: respect my region you know in one one facet or another um and again you know like we, we literally planned this year to go you know we, we the last few years it's like we've been hit the ground running like right in the start of january and it's it's very hard to like prepare for that through the holidays and then right when the new year, like, I don't know, it's, it's just really difficult. So we really wanted to like, let's take it, take it easy and go extra hard this year. Um, and so we did, and it's a similar story. We, we had an event in LA on March 7th. Um, you know, I don't know why I just won't forget this event. This, this day we were supposed to have an event in Seattle on, uh, I think the 14th, the following Saturday. And, like, things started to get real. We had, like, one sponsor pull out, like, the day before the event saying, hey, I don't feel safe. And, like, thing, everyone's kind of like, man, like, none's really going on. I did I did fly, and I, like, I was the only person on the plane, like, sanitizing my seat down and everything. And, like, I, people were looking at me, and I was like, yo, don't judge me. Like, I'm not <laughs> playing around. And then, you know, I ended up kind of being smart, I guess, with, <laughs> with behaving like that. But, yeah, so, I mean, we had to cancel 14 or 15 events. You know, deposits <sighs> were paid on a lot of those. And, um and then for, for me too, it's like building, right? Like I'll do something one time to build it to the next time to build it to the next time, you know? So sometimes like the third or fourth time we do it, that's when we really like recoup the, the money and time that we've been putting in something, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, build, to slowly build it. So like, yeah, I canceled 14 events, but some of those events, we're getting to that third, fourth time when it's like finally all that hard work, you know, all those sacrifices, those previous years, you're like, all right, we're about to cash in, you know, mm-hmm. and not necessarily you know cash in, but you know, it's going to be all worth it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just got kicked, you know, I said I got kicked in the ass and kicked in the dick, you know, like this year, like we really just got like assaulted, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so did everyone. And on the flip side, it's, it's really given me kind of the uh, the advantage to really like, you know, I, I soaked, not soaked, but just didn't really do nothing for like a month, like I don't think the world did, you know, Cause there's nothing to really do. And then we kind of just figured, like you know, we're gonna roll over and die, or just pivot. And, and the pivots turned out to be like much stronger for us. And you know, I think we're we're on track to do a better year than we did last year. With you know, again, replacing like ninety percent of the ways we make you know we make revenue.
0: Wow, I think people forget that like Washington was like one of the first. If the I think it was the first hotspot. Yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah. Everett, <laughs> and I live in Everett too.
0: <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I um, that's crazy. I recently moved up to Snohomish. It's been like over a year now, but yeah.
1: Okay, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm out I'm in Snohomish. I take my kid, my, my girl, we go out to Snohomish pretty often.
0: Wow, wow, wow. That's funny as fuck. I, I remember getting that because living in the Snohomish area, I get like updates about things that are going on around here. I'm like, mm-hmm. the minute that they made that article about some guy and ever getting it, I got it on my phone. It was funny because I never really look at news articles. And then like, it gives like, the right. first thing I noticed on my phone. And I was like, no this is nothing i was just making a joke i'd like make a joke (laughs) about with me and my family and like my family didn't take it serious and now like (laughs) half my family thinks it's armageddon now another half like Uh. we just need to park the brakes but it's it's definitely something serious like we're definitely still like sanitizing down all our products and stuff even that if we get from the grocery store like i'm pretty sure we even um sanitize the fucking ham <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah.
1: that's what yeah, mean our, our event that i did in la you know the coronavirus like literally that it transpired like the week leading up to that and i remember i put in the newsletter i was like we'll have sanitizer you know at this event everywhere <laughs> The day when i'm flying out to la i text one of my guys out there i'm like yo can you go to the store and get hand sanitizer and they're like what where like oh. there is nothing. <laughs> I'm like man we've been promoting for a week and we're gonna have plenty there um yeah yeah that, that was probably like a three-hour process trying to, to track down some sanitizer in bulk but uh mm. made it happen. What,
0: what, do you, what do you think about like artists trying to do like live stream events do you think those are working out at all
1: mm. some of them you know um some of them for sure you know because I, I do like on the event side like i do like b2b like industry you know trade shows conferences that type of stuff um and so some of those have shifted to online which is has been interesting there's some pluses and minuses to that and then you know, for artists, like the live stream, um, I think some people done it real well. And, you know, it also got played out real quick, you know, and, and it's hard to do it, like, unique and something fresh. Because if you're just, like, just doing a set on live stream, right, like, it's just average, you know. So, like, adding a little twist or adding something fun to it, um, I think can really help it. But you look at, like, verses, you know, like the Timberland and Swift Beats put together the verses. Like, that, that whole thing transpired because of COVID and, like, mm. that. If you look at the viewership on that last one, the Gucci Mane vs. GZ, like, that's... Nice the viewership is beating out like you know primetime cable tv networks you know what i mean like that's going to be able to generate millions of dollars in advertising and I, I don't know like that that shit is incredible
0: or even the tory lanes thing when he was uh still in good faith with everyone quarantine <laughs> radio
1: <laughs> yeah. he, he, had, he had the first part of, part of quarantine real hot man and then he, yeah uh, yeah
0: i don't even know I, i'm still i still don't know who's right or wrong i interviewed um this guy named adam snow who has he's like a big t- he's becoming a bigger producer now in um la and like we talked about his newest album that he's about to release and it's fucking stacked he's even got like j electronic on it and like oh wow he's very excited for it but like um like a month after the tory lane th- um, shooting happened he released his song with tory lanes so i was like okay i need to interview him he's like you know what he's my friend i don't know if he did it or not but i'm just gonna stay out of it so i'm like if one of his friends and producers is going to just stay out of it i think i should too if, if i have i definitely don't know tory lanes personally but I don't know that the Megan The Stallion album, though. In general, did you like that one at all? That, that she just released. To be honest,
1: to be honest I, hadn't even, I haven't even had a chance to dive in. You know, she's, <laughs> she's, I'm not. I think she's talented and she's dope, and what she's been able to do is admirable. But it's like not really what I personally bump. You know, I got I got to exactly. check it out for the media side of me, but I mm-hmm. I, ain't, I ain't got to dive in just yet.
0: Yeah, exactly. So how do you choose like what artists? Because sometimes you do have this artist in the industry on your um, platform. You know, as like doing articles, how do you choose who you want to associate with when, even if you don't personally know these artists in the industry? Um, about.
1: You know, if it's industry artists, like, um, you know, when it started out, when it started out, just blogging, it was like just shit that I liked, you know, and, and trying to be shit that I liked that I could put some people onto, and some people like really in the know, you know, and not everything's for them, right? But just kind of the general public and. Um, But to be, you know, with with mainstream artists, to be completely transparent, really is like, for a long time, it was about like the SEO graph, right? Like Mm. if Drake drops a new album and I can write about it in the first 30 minutes it drops, I'm going to bring thousands of people to my site seeking new music, you know? And I'm not even, I don't give a fuck about promoting Drake's album. I want them to check out Drake's album on our site and then stumble on something else, which is, you know, hopefully something local or independent that they don't, you know, again, I want to put someone onto something that they they don't know. Um, But that game, like just the for a lot of different reasons, the game of like soaking up SEO off of these mainstream artists, is not really as effective as it was a couple of years ago. So mm. it's kind of random. It's kind of random based on what we do, based on what we think we can generate traffic of, off of um, from the SEO perspective. And then the timing perspective, because if Drake dropped the song right now, while we're talking and I, and I even wait 15 minutes, it's like too late. You know mm. what I mean? Like it's already up on every site that has more authority on Google than mine. And so, um, so a little bit of just like timing and randomness just due to that because artists just be dropping shit like at random these days, yeah. um and then a little bit of just trying to be strategic because the main the, again the mainstream stuff's not really like that's not what we want to highlight, but it's a means of like getting people in and you know just like the radio right people turn on the radio to hear shit they know you know, and then in there there might be one song that they discover and the 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 whatever's in rotation for that hour, you know, but people are easier and more welcoming to to music that they already know or artists that they're already aware of
0: mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, like, in general, hip-hop blogs are kind of, like, niche. Like, um, my favorite hip-hop blog is um, Hot New Hip-Hop, right?
1: Okay, yeah. And
0: they still, like, I was looking, I was just bored, and I was, like, scrolling through all those news articles, and, like, at the max, I get something I saw was close to 20,000 to, like, as low as, like, 500. Like, I I would think that tons of people would be hopping on hip-hop blogs to look at new music. But do you think it's more people who are already invested in hip hop that are looking at hip hop blogs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it shifted, right? Like, and, and even for us, like our blog really blossomed when when blogs died. You know what I mean? And and um, so a couple, you know, fuck oh, like shit, you
0: know, at this point a decade
1: ago, right, was like when you know J Cole, Wiz Khalifa, you know, even Nipsey Hussle, like their their careers really got birthed on blogs.
0: Mac um, Miller, even.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Mac Miller, um, you know Kendrick, to an extent, like blogs really put those guys on um and so at this point like just thinking of it like from how you know talking about listeners as consumers right like a consuming content you're consuming music um you get it like direct on platform you know like if you're on tiktok you're going to discover somebody dropped the album or hear the snippet or hear 30 seconds or 60 seconds of it whether you're on facebook instagram or snapchat like, you're going to discover it there so for you to like take it and you're usually going to go to YouTube and watch the full video or Spotify and listen to the full song, like straight from the platform. You know what I mean? Like you, you hear something and you know what most people I think don't realize, like even like, you know, Drake shit, like a lot of people might only see 60 seconds of the music video he dropped because they just watched on Instagram and they're not like, Oh, I need to go listen to this whole record now, you know, until they just happen to hear it on the radio or whatever. And so like the kind of person that's going to like take a step further from going to, uh, you know Spotify or YouTube direct and like I want to know more about this I want to go to Google and search it and learn about it you know that's that's a specific type of person and then some you know all blogs also have audiences of like people do like you're saying like it's very niche and focused of people that like yeah I just go to Hot hip-hop every day or once a week or whenever I remember and Mm -hmm. just scroll through you know
0: do you think magazines are easier to grasp than like blogs because like Realistically, like magazines just get, you know, sent to your house and it's just there versus that's I feel like that's almost easier than even typing on your phone.
1: Yeah. I mean, mean, magazines are super niche. You know what I mean? Super niche, especially in this day. And they don't really serve, you know, again, I I kind of work in marketing. So I work on a couple of different levels with with mediums and publications like trade industry. You know, if you had like recording engineer magazine or something. You know, maybe a bunch of engineers subscribe to that. You know, it's a real small focus group. You know, like Bellevue Living, right? Like if people live in Bellevue, <laughs> read that magazine. That mi- that magazine might be cracking for what it is. You know, but like hip hop, like you know, I don't fuck like XXL freshman. I find that out online. You know, what I mean, I don't wait for it. It's no longer like the magazine cover. I haven't picked up an XXL or bought an XXL <laughs> in you know six, seven, eight years at least. Mm-hmm.
0: Or people like just post like the GQ cover, and that's like yeah. people what people are looking at. They're not even really interested in reading the article.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, even us sometimes, you know, we'll do an article on an artist, and like they'll screenshot it and put that shit on their Instagram. They don't even like, you know, they don't even share the link. They just share the picture of it.
0: Oh my god, retarded!
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, there's different, there's different, yeah, different components to it, but it's weird, it's weird mm-hmm. you know. But it's, again, the consumption patterns are. You know, we stay, we stay within. If you're on Instagram, you're not really looking to leave Instagram. You're trying to stay on Instagram, you know, so you consume yeah. the content within the platform.
0: But as a creator, like no matter what level of creator you are, you want to put in like little things that maybe not everyone's gonna even notice. Like you put a lot mm-hmm. of detail in whatever you're doing, and then like you actually realize no one's getting it but you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe someone will pick this up. And I'm like, wait, I'm actually the only one who's picking it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's life though.
0: <laughs> yeah. So What are your opinions? Like, do you feel like as a listener, like the listeners are kind of like the advertisement now, like especially when it comes to like TikTok, they're the ones, like you were saying, like post like a Drake song or something and being like, oh, here's the new Drake album and here's me dancing to it or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, your audience is like, that's really what these guys are leveraging, right? You know, like plenty of new school rappers are not good. You know, like they really (laughs) lack talent. You know, some of them like literally can't even write a beat. You know what I mean? Like some elementary one-on-one things for, for rapping, they don't have, but they're able to build or cultivate like a, a persona, brand, a sound that people gravitate to, and they get an audience off that. You know, like people don't listen listen to riffraff for quality music. You know what I mean? They buy into this brand. Same thing like Blueface. Like I don't know. If you show me someone that really thinks Blueface is chopping, like I'll slap that person. You know, yeah. like like. But these artists cultivate audience, and then they're able to monetize that audience. You know, through various ways. And, and so it is like you know just like social media you know we're we're on social media like we're the product Mm -hmm. like we're the the platform isn't the product we the the users are the product you know what i mean and and so it's i don't know the game the game has changed you know we we contribute to our our just consumption our our attention is is like currency you know what i mean Mm
0: -hmm. it's funny the um krs1 i think it's the rapper's delight song he was uh making fun i was like in the early 90s he was like making fun of people that did marketing like literally in the song he's like yeah. you're Gabe you're a marketing person basically you're not a real rapper <laughs> and that's all it is nowadays <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i mean i mean that's yeah i mean you know it's social media instagram and, and the kardashians and set, set us up for
0: <laughs> oh yeah i think they're done now right the show I mean,
1: yeah, this, this might be the final season but they're you know they're influencing our life one way or another
0: it, yeah that's never gonna
1: change the whole game
0: yeah that's fucking nuts i was um there's tv on in the background of my house earlier this morning and it was like a star trek show and the, the villain in the show was they're like the race was called the kardashians i was like what the fuck i thought that was so <laughs> funny it was, it was stupid as fuck but how do you how do you decide what artists do you want to put on for your platform? Is it just if people are reaching out, or does it kind of um, matter now that you're making like money off it? Is it more of like they have to have some type of clout? Cause for me personally, I try to be like that kind of podcast that works with every level. So it's kind of mm-hmm. I even I've helped the underground underdogs, even if like they have like followers, of course, in my opinion, don't matter no matter what. Followers, right? That's right. all materialistic. So like I've helped artists that no one knows about and then I'll start connecting them with other artists as well who have more of a name. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think everyone needs help in some way. Like, right. if, you, if you have no idea what you're going to do, if you, if, if, you have, if you have no idea how to connect with the Seattle music scene and then some random podcast hits you up and is like, hey, let me give you a hand.
1: Right.
0: You know, I'm, I'm helping people build their resume. So how do you go All about right. it?
1: you know, it's definitely, it's transformed through the years, you know, like, when we first started, um, you know, we we're, we're started a t-shirt company that just, like, had a blog, because I, I came from making music, didn't realize there was a lot of outlets, and so, like, it was just really out of pure passion and love, you know, I did it with no intention other than just sharing local music that I fuck with, and, you know, I know a lot of artists, so just artists, artists that I know are really working, and I think deserve to be, you know, heard by more people, and for a while, I used to I used to have the mindset where everyone that emailed us, like I responded to everyone. Even if I didn't post their shit, I'd respond to them. I'd try and listen to their music and give them at least one little, you know, piece of feedback. And as things grow and life happens, you know, like that's just not realistic. Like that'd be a full-time job, you know, that I don't get paid for it. And like, you know, obviously that's just not feasible, you know? And so, and, and that, um, we have like a monetary aspect where at this point, like we do a lot of marketing, whether it's through our platform or off platform, you know, outside of, of music, I, I run like uh, digital advertising for a living um so i'm just w- really well versed with like the different types of ads and, and running ads for brands and companies so we do like a little bit of like campaigns with with pr companies that have artists on their roster labels that have artists on their roster independent artists that that just reach out and and you know are real interested in that and take their business there and then you know just artists too that like we've always been trying to authentically feature people that are really moving you know we kind of set a bar like we have our our target Target level of artists that we really want to go, which you know isn't the mainstream and isn't like just anybody. You know, it's like the yeah. people that really like they have they have some element that that really has the potential to go to the next step, and they've been working. You know, and it is something that deserves to reach more people. Um, and so for a long time, we tried to focus on that. We flex, you know, where we've gone, you know, flex a little bit up top where we feature mainstream artists, and then go a little bit low and just work with with those people. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I don't care, like follower count. and it doesn't matter, but it matters, you know, which is confusing to say. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think
0: is, I feel like followers are important in the sense that it shows that you have some marketing capability, that you're it, actually putting a little bit into your work.
1: It's validity, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if I reach out to you and I got ten thousand followers and it's authentic, and you see that, you're immediately put me in a classification of how serious I take my craft or how serious I've been about my hustle, you know. And but that's not to say like somebody with under a thousand followers could be dope as fuck. They just like. You know, they haven't been putting it out there, haven't been connecting with people. And that's not to say anything bad about them. But at a certain point on that artist journey, they got to be, you know, like, that's you know, if you're a label, there's everyone's got a unique talent. Every, like everyone on this planet has a super, super unique talent. And Just because you have a unique talent doesn't mean people are going to pay you for it. You know what I mean? Like you have to cultivate that and like put yourself in the right position to, to monetize that or see other people like see the value in it. And so, you know, we really try to work with, like, the right, like, there's this is right level of people that we really want to work with, but we kind of work with everyone. And, I mean, I, I, re- I, I wish that we could cover more. You know, it's just a matter of, like, you know, time, time and energy. Yeah,
0: for sure. I love that Joe, I don't know exactly how he does it, but, like, I feel like Joe Rogan does a phenomenal job at how he does it, you know. He only lets yeah. on people that he actually genuinely likes.
1: Mm-hmm. He definitely
0: does research on every single guest. I bet he's get. I bet he gets like requests twenty four seven, especially since he's moved yeah. to Spotify. But and he yeah. supposedly, That's a, just a podcast too. So like he has a very small team. So there's. It's just crazy. Like you have to find your what you're comfortable with, I guess. And it also matters about like. I never thought about it. like setting the bar is definitely a good way of looking at it. It's like setting a bar also shows like how you think your worth is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you stay away from? Because at the beginning of blogs like Worldstar was fucking phenomenal. But how do you stay away from turning into like a played out version of world star
1: man you know balance you know and that's that's like a common theme in life in general you know and um i i come from like before i got into all this I, I produced music and i invested in artists and stuff you know was more on the creation side and trying to get out and and working in studios and there was a balance of you know the shit shit that made me the most money when i was working as an engineer or selling beats for a living like shit i didn't like you know Mm. or wasn't not necessarily i like hated it but i just like wasn't like super juiced about it the shit that i was super stoked on i was doing for free you know and like put investing my own money into and so you know there's that that kind of balance and just like your life in general right you like you got to work to make money but you also need like money to enjoy yourself and like you probably need time away from work to enjoy yourself you know and so you gotta like balance all these different things and so for us like trying to monetize trying to scale viewership scale content like yeah there's an element of it that's like in an ideal situation, like, if money wasn't an object, like, there's certain things that, like, I don't know, that I, I would choose to do slightly differently, you know, but you have to kind of set it up like a business, but you need to balance out still being authentic, you know? Like, if I, I'm going to work on a campaign for someone, it's not saying that they're good or not deserving, but if I'm going to work on a campaign for someone that's not necessarily right at the level of really what I want to project out there. It's like, I got to go and do two more things that are, are at that level to kind of, like, balance it out. It's kind of been my viewpoint. So... It, it's been a task, and I think it'll forever be a task of, like, of balancing that stuff out. And, I mean, I, mean, I completely feel you, like, Worldstar was a great outlet. It's completely, I mean, depending on how you look at it, it's played out, but, like, still to this day, like, careers still get launched off of World star, you know? Yeah. And it's, but it's just more, like, the right time, right place, right? Like, I'm sure there was probably a rapper to the, that blew up off of Facebook, like, early on, you know, that single-handedly used Facebook as a vehicle to, like, blow up their career and like now it's like there's not as much room for like everyone else to copy that blueprint you know so Mm -hmm. um, but Facebook's still a great way people still go viral off of Facebook or Instagram YouTube whatever the platform it is you know so it's just yeah trying to be mindful of like saturation and and I don't know be strategic about it but it's you know be intentional as well Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's funny there's no um there's no right way to make a name for yourself in music now, you know, there's like so many different ways to go about it. Nah. No, two ways are the same.
1: No, nah. uh, that's what every everyone everyone's path is different. You know, like uh, the reason why one person blew up is going to be complete, like completely different for someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. So you also have started to like, spread out to other cities that um I've heard about. So how is that? How do you go about doing that? Like I feel like my goal is to make like a nast podcast like the nast has its own brand that could branch out eventually as well so how do you go from being like a blog to something that's on in multiple cities
1: um you know like the like my my initial approach like i'm not from seattle like mm-hmm. you know the city or even the metro area and so um it just happens to be the hub of the northwest you know the pacific northwest and so the way we built this brand was really not even after going after seattle it was going after all these different areas and like building, really essentially just building relationships and, and building building relationships that turned into, like, you know, strategic relationships, you know, just knowing artists, knowing the right people, promoters, DJs, and things like that. And, um, you know, we eventually, like, built enough in the Pacific Northwest where, like, you know, people, artists in Seattle wanted resources outside of, of the city of Seattle that we had. And so that was a bridge to help us get into the city. But if you get to a certain point in, like, you know, the city of Seattle, artists from other cities, you as a vehicle of getting into this market and if you're strategic about it it's like cool like i can plug you with some information or some people or some opportunities but like i'm gonna need you to return the favor where you're at you know and then also just like investing in taking trips you know even if you only know a few people take a trip somewhere and you gotta thug it out and sleep on couches or you know some some super sketchy hotel rooms or whatever it (laughs) takes you know just like getting out on the road and like you know just building relationships is really kind of where it starts and once you get audience and clout you know or whatever it's a little bit easier to then build those relationships digitally you know but but really just like getting out there and meeting people is really the the basis of it
0: is that the same thing about like how you started throwing events is just start out small and just keep building that reputation basically
1: yeah yeah i mean it's how like when we still like because we started like i started throwing events and then i started t-shirt company is just another way to like have a revenue stream at events you know like that's how respect my region got started and then it turned blossom into some done 180s 360s 540s all sorts of different ways but you know we started with t-shirts it was like we had two designs one box of t-shirts flip that about two boxes of t-shirts flip that about four boxes of t-shirts you know same thing with events like do one event flip that money let's do another one but do it a little bit bigger flip that now we got enough to maybe do two and and uh you know before all that like you know, for cannabis is recreational or whatever. You know, like I, you know, we had a little bit of experience in like, dabbling in the business around that, and like, you know, whether you're whether you're hustling that or hustling music or shows or whatever, like, you know, it's about like starting small, reinvesting in relationships. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of the same same thesis is applicable to, to all of those.
0: Mm-hmm. What are your opinions about um the Seattle venues kind of struggling right now?
1: Yeah, I mean. It's super unfortunate. You know, it's it's super sad, but at the same time, like, I don't really, you know, it's like, I don't know the answer, you know, like, um, you know, politically, it's like these, you know, the government needs to do some sort of stimulus to refund those landlords so they're not taxing these guys for rent for spaces they can't use. I, I don't know. They're, you know, I don't have the answers to all that, but they need to figure some of that shit out. <laughs> but, um, you know, Steve Severns, in friend of mine, he owns uh numos and Barbosa and a couple of venues and like he's he's uh it's dope to see like where most people could pivot and try and use their venue for whatever they can to like monetize what what little ways they can through live streams and things like that but he's really like invested his time and like not just locally but on a national level to like raise awareness about the issue and and money for that through uh keep music live and then you know numo or uh excuse me nectar uh, you know done a switch to do the live stream series they're really like the only person in Seattle I've seen really going hard on that and I think it's built for them to, to keep relevant because you know they're going to be sitting tight for at least another year and no revenue and so some of those places like you know like it's it, it's sad and I don't say this like heartlessly but it really is like roll over and die or get creative and get to work you know what I mean like those are really your only two options you know and um, I don't think you know, obviously it's not their fault and it's not like just because they're not creative or whatever means you know means they're gonna fail or whatever it, it's a fucking hard road but yeah it's, it's, it's super unfortunate
0: yeah we're about to realistically we're almost about to hit a year with this whole covid thing it's fucking nuts so how is do you feel have you seen like an uptick in your guys's instagram as well as your website when it comes to artists wanting to promote them promote themselves because they can't really use those venues anymore
1: um local and independent artists yes like labels and major artists no. like all, all of our advertising situations with major labels like you know they're they're laying people off they don't got money you know those artists are running little ig scams trying to scam independent rappers you know to keep money coming in and uh but independent artists that like you know that aren't living off music you know that whatever they do to, to provide for themselves they're still able to go do like some of those are doubling down and the ones that are smart, that got—I mean—it's tough for everyone right now, and it's definitely—you know—if you're, if you're responsible for paying the bills for more than just yourself, then it's even more pressure because you know the likelihood of someone in your household being laid off is extremely high right now. But mm. if people have the money, it's—you it, know—I would urge them to like this is the time to like there's going to be no better time to invest in promoting yourself through ads, simply because the sheer cost is going to go up every year regardless, and you know labels aren't putting the money into it, so there's there's significant opportunity for, for like. Independent artists to really grab some market share right now,
0: mm-hmm, for sure. So yeah, you you guys have moved into like cannabis. How do you how do you think it started that hip hop and cannabis kind of became like sim- simultaneously hand in hand? Basically, do you think it just started from the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like the 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 I, I I've talked about this before, and like the consumption, the listening of music, and the creation of music is like very much enhanced by cannabis. You know, and that's across like. <laughs> And that's across like all genres, you know, like musicians, you know, find a group of musicians and it's probably a group of stoners, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, and music lovers, you know, hardcore music lovers, a lot of them smoke too, you know? And so um, I just think that those, they just go hand in you know, hand, it's not even necessarily just hip hop, it's hand in hand, but the, the sub, the subculture of hip hop, you know, below the overarching just music um, is definitely one of those genres. you know, like reggae, obviously, probably <laughs> is the, the biggest group of stoners, but hip hop's like, you know, right up there for sure.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> what are your opinions? So you're from Oregon, is that correct?
1: No, I mean, I've lived... Uh, yeah, I grew up in, like, central Washington. I was okay. born in, in Me- I was born in Memphis, and then uh, yeah, I lived in Portland for a bit, and then I've been living in the Seattle area for for some time now as well.
0: What are your opinions of uh, Oregon legalizing, like, majority of hard drugs?
1: Well, I mean, you know, first of all, it's decriminalized. So it's not, De- you know, I see all these, I see all <laughs> these memes where it's, like, it's legal. Like, it just means, like, you can get a ticket for it. You know, you're not going to go mm-hmm. to jail and get a felony, which... I think it's good, you know, like, no matter what, I don't know, I feel like you got like crack meth or heroin, like maybe that's, from, I, I don't know, you know, they got issues on that, but like, so you like you find, you know, I, I'm not for it, but if you find a little bit of like, you know, Adderall, like Coke or something, like in a little amount, like you shouldn't have like your whole life, you know, felony and all this shit for that, you know, like, a lot of these congressmen and judges were definitely snorting blow, you know, when they were younger and shit, but like, <laughs> um you know, at least a lot of the ones I went to school with <laughs> were doing that. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think there's good. I think, I think but ultimately, uh, like the mushrooms, the legalization and decriminalization around uh, mushrooms, I think is, is powerful. Because I think they're going to be able to come up with some uh, pharmaceutical alternatives that, that are going to be like really big, you know, really, really big and, and uh, good for mankind, if you will.
0: That's going to be crazy as fuck, though. Like, in 20 years, instead of, like, your parents being drunk or something, you're going to be like, dad's tripping again or some shit like that.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, think about it. They're probably going to have, like, little cat, like, Advil, you know? You're going to get, like, Advil. that's like, microdosing mushrooms. Oh, Maybe A little yeah. ca- capsule a day and, you know, to, to help with anxiety or depression. Or,
0: yeah, because when know. you microdose, you don't really feel it as much either, do you?
1: Right, right. And that's what all them CEOs and, like, you know, Silicon Valley do. is They all be swearing by that, you know? And it's clearly working out for them.
0: i bet oh my god it's fucking nuts do you you think that eventually like weed will be legal in every state or do you kind of is it easier for you guys to make a name for yourselves with weed as well because it's not legal in every state like is it more of like you guys are kind of like the founders for a hip-hop blog that yeah yeah i
1: mean yeah i mean it for sure will be legal. you know the 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 pendulum is, is too far swung um it's generating too much money the, the data of the good side is, is all there the data for the things that they will tell you to scare you to not legalize it is not there's no there's, the data isn't there to support you know that cause um or that narrative and so definitely going there and it's a money thing it generates so much tax money and you know if there's one thing the u.s government's good at it's, it's getting their <laughs> fucking ducats you know so like it's moving for that and but yeah, for us, like, we have, a, we have a really big advantage with it rolling out state by state. And, and one of the reasons we got into cannabis, you know, we were always, uh, you know, of consumers and, and involved with it, you know, when we it pre-whatever pre legalization, you know, and then even through the early medical, but it wasn't a part of our brand um, until it got recreational. And then we just felt comfortable kind of like plastering it everywhere. And then um, and just speaking about it, being confident, speaking out about it. Um, and also, you know, the way we set up our blog to really look at localized content, you know, so we're really focused on micro areas based on geography. And so, cannabis is only legal state by state. So, those companies that want to advertise and market, you know, if I have a million followers, but it's all over the country, I'm not that. I'm I, I'm, I could not be as valuable as someone that's five thousand followers, but in a very specific area, you know, yeah. and so. Just the way we think, the way we operate, and the way we we understand and like do our content already just like works perfectly for like the way the industry is getting built. So, it's it's been it was just kind of something that clicked and made sense, and it's been amazing to be on the forefront of like you know I don't I don't know any other industry that maybe like cryptocurrency you know that's like literally you know we're we're just seeing like the baby face you know like the industry's still wearing fucking Pampers you know what I mean like mm-hmm. we at this point we've been in ca- legal cannabis for five years like anyone else that's been in legal cannabis has been it for five years. You know what I mean? Like we've been in it the longest. <laughs> so it's, I don't, I don't know anything else I could do that with, you know?
0: That's nuts. <laughs> it must be easier to plan like tour dates though, if you're doing like the weed tour, because only certain States are legal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And I mean, and, and, uh, doing these weed events as opposed to like non-weed events, like alcohol, like the amount of issues that you have in an event are uh, astronomically, you know what I mean? Like a weed event, there's no fights. Nobody throwing up. The bathrooms (laughs) don't get fucked up. Like no, no issues, man. You know, the moment you get like alcohol and shit, everyone doesn't know how to act.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like even raves are probably safer than uh, even though you're (laughs) fucked on lolly and shit. I feel like this alcohol is just it always ends badly. Usually, in alcohol. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, how do you guys incorporate weed? Like, are you guys eventually going to do like bud tend and everything like that, or do you guys do that part already?
1: Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, so on the back end, we do agency work, like the, the way to think of respect for region, like on the front end, we're a, we're a publication or a media outlet, you know, on various channels. And, you know, we do advertising within that and, and content within that, whether it's music based or cannabis based. And then we also do agency work where we got hired by companies to do various parts of the, their marketing funnel for them. Um, so we work with a, a lot of companies that way, like we build their website, we build videos for them, build their content, maybe build a strategy, maybe do consulting, uh, a little bit of like sales and distribution. Um, But integrating it like the West Coast weed tourism campaign, we just did. And then we did, uh, we do that every year. And then we did uh, Seattle's Most Stone, where we wrote a a magazine article in a a cannabis uh, magazine. And we did a 30 day digital campaign rolling into a show, Mm -hmm. where we were able to take, you know, four Seattle artists, get them on the cover of a magazine, get them a bunch of you know, digital advertising online, and, and be able to put some money in their pocket, and that's the that's like kind of the 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 best of both worlds for us is where we're able to to use local music and brands to kind of work together and and get on the local brands part exposure and, and put some money in the local artist's pockets.
0: Do you guys collaborate with like Hempfest at all ever?
1: Oh uh, yeah, we have worked with Hempfest. We actually we did our our podcast uh, the the Wednesday we were talking about earlier. We did that at Hempfest last year. Oh wow! Um, and I've worked with them. It's, it's crazy because. You know, we first started selling t-shirts, like I was literally the first year I went to HempFest when I had t-shirts, like we were literally selling out of backpacks, like mm. going and they, like before people set up their booth, we go sit at their booth and just start hustling t-shirts and then people go, like, hey, it's ours. I'm like, oh shit, I thought I was 313 and just keep pushing. <laughs> we did that a whole year and then the next year we bought a booth, next year we bought a booth and then, uh, then yeah, eventually I ended up being like a media partner with them.
0: It's crazy actually because there's no, I don't think there's any like age limit for HempFest. Which no. is actually really interesting. So you can, like, bring your kids there. Like, I saw kids there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely some, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers, game, you know, out there. <laughs> I mean, there's some young kids, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Washington's kind of ahead on a lot of things, in my opinion. Even this COVID thing. Sure. We're We're the <laughs> first ones. There we go. me <laughs> curve. But, so, do you think there's enough media outlets in Seattle for artists to express their opinions on? Like, you guys are a platform i'm trying to be a platform i don't feel like the radio stations do enough like what are if there are people that want to build like a new platform what are what are things that are like missing that maybe seattle artists um, need
1: you know like you know tiktok's a hot platform i'm not even on there we we, we have a channel on there um i, I don't run it i'm, I'm old man i, I don't, <laughs> don't know maybe, maybe still so they're, they're bugging me about creating some content for that but you know, we've already been able, we've been on there like a few two months. You know, we already been reaching millions of people through that. And I, I don't know if there's a, you know, Seattle music channel specifically on there, but mm. that's a really really good platform to work. Um, I think you know potentially would, you know we're gonna be doing live streams only for the next year. So more people putting together platforms for artists to perform, if you will, you know, through the whether it's live stream or not, if they're able to build up. But really, like anyone that's able to cultivate an audience, you know, like. You could be the outlet that shows Seattle music to Europe. You know, like your target is Europeans that are curious about Seattle. You know, there's there's different niches and focuses that that you know there's a lot of unlimited ones that people could build. But really, anywhere that like is able to cultivate some sort of audience, you know, is really like people are going to want to be a part of that, and and you can provide value with that. Sometimes I think people get, especially in any city, you know, but using Seattle's example, they get real caught up in trying to do the same shit as everyone else realizing that they're all reaching the same people so you're just in this big echo chamber you know or circle jerk or whatever whatever, (laughs) uh, uh, metaphor you want to use for it and so really just like thinking past like instead of people trying to be like i'm really trying to be this for that when there's already other things just be like i'm gonna be something different i'm gonna be the best of this because there is nothing it could be super specific or it can be a little broad but people really just striving to be like a little like them positioned a little bit different than the next person
0: yeah i honestly think what you guys are doing is very inspiring like you have you have your brand respect my region but you're going through like multiple different lanes and the fact that you found something digital advertising that directly ties in with what you're doing also with respect my region like maybe like for me working at the station was awesome because i want to do the podcast too so you know like those are hand in hand so like finding jobs that go hand in hand with what you're doing, so whatever way it is, even if it's marketing, that's, that's
1: awesome. Bro, I mean, relationships are more important than anything in this world, like anything in this fucking world, you know, like relationships are more important than knowledge. They're more important than money, like for real, for real. And so when people are, you know, take the mindset of like, I'm going to intern or I'm going to go, I want to start my own shit and be the boss or the king ding or whatever you want to be or your shit. But being like, I'm going to go just be an assistant on this other shit, just to soak game, just to build the bridge, you know? Like, I'm going to work for this other shit that's not really what I want to do for six months and just really not not do it to immediately try and put myself in the position I want to do, but just do it genuinely. Like, you're going to build relationships. And those relationships, if, if if cultivated correctly, will serve you for your entire life, you know? And And so I think people just really take that approach like you said like you got involved the radio he's like i'm trying to do this podcast i want to go here to take these certain skills and i'm sure you made relationships while you were there you know whether it's just someone to call up hey what type of gear should i get or what's your mind on this or potentially some of those people might grow into certain positions at companies where you're able to give them opportunity or vice versa Mm -hmm,
0: for sure well mitch what is some advice they have for up-and-coming artists creators influencers
1: man i mean you know i touched on it a second ago but really like think uh you know first of all <laughs> read the book positioning I'm, I'm a big that's that's like a big part of my thesis of uh and a lot of things i do i'm just understanding the book is about positioning the product for in a marketplace but uh it's applicable to a lot of things and just kind of understanding like what i was talking about of not trying to be the same as everyone else even if you're trying to do something similar like how to carve out like carve out your like truly carve out your own lane you know because a lot of people are like yeah, I'm going to be just like Wiz Khalifa, but I'm going to be, like, younger and dope. It's like, well, <laughs> there's already a Wiz Khalifa. There's not a lot of people, like, actively seeking that, you know? So it's about carving something that's, like, unique to yourself. And hopefully it's authentic because you're going to do a lot better job and, and be more motivated to do it if it's, you know, truly who you are or truly in touch with what you want to do or how you move. And, um, you know, just put the work in. A lot of people are, like, scared to, to put work in and scared to, to put time in. And, and hip-hop especially, you know, Speaking directly to that is a very ego and vanity driven thing and people don't like to see low numbers or not see views and people have to look the flyest and you know whatever the fuck there's so much of that shit going on like if you want to build like you just got to understand your position be you like build from the ground up and, and like i don't know build your blueprint and, like fuck worrying about everything else you know
0: hell yeah so what is the easiest way for people to reach you and contact respect my region
1: um you know just reach in you can you can DM us through the platforms if people want to address me just put my name in there someone will probably screenshot it send it to me I don't, I don't really run a lot of our platforms these days uh, but someone will get at me or, or just info at dot com is our email uh, you can put attention mitch in the bio uh i love you know imparting knowledge and wisdom when i can to anyone that's like hungry and, and seeking it uh, and uh you know and there's different ways that we can work if, if people are trying to work and make moves
0: hell yeah This is the NAS podcast with
1: Mitch Pfeiffer, man. Thank you for having me.